Please pray with me. Startle us anew, O God, with your truth, and open our hearts and our minds to your wondrous love. Speak your word to us. Silence in us any voice but your own, and be with us now as we turn our attention, our minds, and our hearts to you. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from Psalm 148. Listen for the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. And our New Testament scripture today is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of God's children. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last summer, my dad and I took a road trip out to Colorado, where my parents have a cabin right near the entrance to Rocky Mountain National Park. And while my dad was staying for several weeks, I was just there for a few days, so I wanted to maximize my hiking time. We spend a lot of time in Rocky, and so many of the trails are like old friends, but I was in the mood to find something new, explore a new trail. So we pulled out the hiking guides, and I picked my dad's brain, and picked out a hike on the west side of the park over the Continental Divide from our cabin, uh, known for its beautiful scenery and its 
abundance of moose. Um, we sadly did not see a moose that day, my deep down hope, but we did hit the beautiful trail jackpot. So we hiked past meadows with the grasses swaying, over babbling brooks, and through this beautiful fairy woodland forest, which hopefully you can see on the screen here or online. And as we walked through that beautiful forest, it spoke the gospel to us that day. One of the defining features of the west side of the park in recent memory has been the ever-growing number of dead pine trees. Um, the forest there has been undergoing the worst outbreak of mountain pine beetles in recent memory, or really in memory at all. Um, and so often as we hiked there, we have commented on how the number of dead trees in the forest is starting to take over the live ones, or so it seems. But this time, the dead trees were not what caught our eye. Instead, I was caught by all of the life that was roaring back around them. Grasses and ferns, shrubs and saplings, all sprouting up, carpeting the forest in green. Sunlight was streaming through, sunlight that perhaps for many years hadn't hit the forest floor because of how dense the forest had grown. But now it was lighting up the scene. And so as Dad and I soaked in that view, we experienced this tiny foretaste of redemption, of the new earth. This forest had been dying, and we could still see the skeletons of all of those dead trees. And yet, so much life was thriving. It was this visceral reminder that life will conquer death, and that all things are being made new. This Advent season, we are looking at the theology of some Advent hymns and pulling out those themes that these hymns form in us as we sing them. So the hymn that we just sang, People Look East, um, I think it has many delights. One thing I love is that it invites us into the sense of anticipation of Advent, and it helps us think about our own activities this season of trimming the hearth and setting the table um, as things that help us to anticipate and look for Christ. So it's a great reminder that we participate in God's story with our everyday lives. But one of the things that I especially love about this hymn is that it reminds us that we as humans don't participate in God's great story of love and redemption alone, but that all of creation, the roses and the birds and the stars, are also bound up in this story with us. When I shared the story of my forest walk with a friend who is a horticulturalist, she said that one of the things she loves about walking through the woods is that the death and the regrowth she sees is always preaching a sermon to her. Creation can preach the whole gospel to us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And it's not just that the created world exists to point us to deeper realities of what is at play as if God just sprinkled the world with these cosmic reminders of what is coming. No, creation is as wrapped up in the sweeping narrative of sin and redemption as we are. In Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul tells us that creation waits with eager longing for God's children to be revealed, and that creation is waiting for the hope of the same future glory that we are. Paul is clear in the section just preceding our passage today that the children of God to whom creation is bound is us, God's people. We are the ones to whom the Holy Spirit testifies that we are children of God and co-heirs with Christ. So the fate of creation of this whole beautiful world is tied to our own fates as God's people. 
In one sense, maybe this isn't surprising. If we go back to Genesis, the very first story in our biblical canon is the story of creation. God makes all that is in six days and rests on the seventh. And in that story, humans are just one of the many delightful creatures that God makes on day six. We are just one of the very good creatures in God's very good creation. And humans are given the command to fill the earth and subdue it, which is a reminder that we are stewards of this very good creation. So, of course, when humanity went awry with sin, it didn't just impact people. All of creation suffers the consequences of that with us. In the Adam and Eve story, when God discovers that Adam and Eve have disobeyed God's command and eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God issues a series of curses for the serpent who led them astray, for the man, Adam, and for Eve. God tells the serpent that the woman's offspring will strike his head even as the serpent strikes the offspring's heels, which prefigures Christ's defeat of sin. There's this whole wonderful tradition in art um, of Mary holding baby Jesus and stomping on a snake as a symbol of Christ as the one reversing the curse. To the man, God says that he will be sustained by the earth still, but instead it will be toil. God says, cursed is the ground because of you. As in flourishing, so in the curse are we bound together with creation. And God tells the woman, Eve, that childbearing will now be painful. I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. So the sin of the first humans had consequences that rippled down through all generations, but also out into all of creation. And it's from this story that Paul is drawing when he talks about creation and futility, the cursed ground in bondage to decay. And he gives us this vivid image drawn straight from the curse of Eve, of the whole world's longing. The whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves groan with it. Something is being birthed in the world. With creation, we long for it and we hope for it. But right now with creation, we suffer for it. The thing about birth is that it is not gentle. During Advent and Christmas, we have all these really sanitized images of pregnancy and birth. So we have John joyfully leaping in Elizabeth's womb, which always seems like a real cute little somersault, but you don't get any of the sense of the sharp knees and elbows that probably accompanied it. We tend to describe Mary as meek and mild. And so we think about her riding placidly on the donkey into Bethlehem, hugely and beautifully pregnant, and serenely giving birth amidst all the warm and cozy animals in the stable. And it's this really lovely and clean, but totally unrealistic image of what probably happened. I'm sure Mary was wickedly uncomfortable on that donkey. Her back was aching and her hips were sore, but she'd rather do that than walk on her swollen feet all the way to Bethlehem. And I doubt there was anything serene about giving birth in a barn. I'm guessing that her cries woke up the animals. The cattle were not gently lowing, but they joined their startled voices with hers as she bore Jesus, God with us. Because birth is not gentle and it is not mild and it is not serene. And Paul, surprisingly of all people, is not letting us fool ourselves with those sweet images. Yes, redemption is being birthed, 
just as our Savior was birthed, bringing a thrill of hope into our weary world. But the birthing is not easy. Paul uses a word that calls to mind the work and the toil of birthing, reminding us that it is a painful and hard work. There is a reason that we call it labor. Anyone who has experienced or seen a birth knows that it is violent. Whether it's a C-section or a vaginal delivery, there is blood and sweat and tears, flesh tears, it is trauma on a woman's body. And interestingly, this word, with its associations of labor and toil, it's not found in the Christmas story. So we get none of the sense of the work and the violence in the birth of Jesus. But it is sprinkled throughout the New Testament in stories that tell us about the anticipation of the return of Christ. Wrapped up in the laboring pains is the sense that something is just around the corner. We endure the pain and the toil and the work for the hope that is before us, the hope of the Messiah, the hope of redemption, of a new world, the hope of earth as it is in heaven. Even creation is wrapped up in the anticipation of the coming of Christ. Creation stands with us, suffers with us, waits with us for this birthing of the new world. And just as the cursed ground, creation waiting in futility, is a result of cursed sin in our lives, so too are those labor pangs. Those are the remnants of Eve's consequences. They are the last throes of the death curse. Sin clutching its fingers, trying tight to hold on to every last bit of its power in this world. We see these birth pangs in our own lives as much as we see them in creation. We see the birth pangs in the earthquake that decimated southern Haiti this year. We see the birth pangs in a pandemic that still rages around the world, claiming five million lives and counting. We see the birth pangs in Hurricane Ida that barreled across Louisiana and Mississippi this summer, leaving devastation in its wake. We see the birth pangs in our own personal tragedies, in terrifying diagnoses and lost jobs, in the death of loved ones, in depression and anxiety, in miscarriages and stillbirths, in all of these, we are confronted with the reality of sin's literal death grip on the world. We face these birth pangs, and we hope for that which we cannot see. We hope for redemption. And as surely as labor eventually ends and new life is heaved into the world, so too is Jesus Christ coming to reign in power and make all things new. Remember that lovely forest I told you about earlier that preached life to my dad and I? Well, just a few days after we walked through it, the second largest wildfire in Colorado's history swept through, destroyed everything along that trail, just as it was springing back to life. What was green is now once more devastatingly brown and dead. But I am willing to bet that if we took another walk down that trail, we would start to see those tiny signs of life pushing forth persisting despite death's best efforts. Friends, these are the birth pangs. Creation is wrapped up with us in the struggle between death and life. And even when it seems like death is winning, when it seems the labor will never end, we hope for what we cannot see. If we pay attention, we see the signs of a world being made new even as we ready ourselves, our homes, and our lives for the very same. 
Friends, look east and sing today for love and hope and redemption on the way. Thanks be to God.